Welcome to the Brand Party Podcast. I'm your host, Christine from CL Designs. If you know me, execution and getting shit done is my middle name. This podcast will energize you to invest in your brand in new ways. Join me for tips, insights, and actions you can take to make your brand a priority in your business. My guests and I deliver honest, to-the-point advice you can implement right away. Your brand is worth celebrating. It can be fun, and I'll show you how. Let's get this party started. Julia is a content writer and comms expert and part-time dancer. She helps purpose-driven companies create powerful brand messages and content. This gets them the funding, engagement, and support they deserve. On this episode, we're celebrating communicating impact with this winning message. My favorite part is what I call daily dance party. And it's not daily, (laughs) false advertising, oops. I'm also a dancer on the side of being a professional writer. And I am kind of trying to merge these two personalities in a way and show the artistic side of me to my more corporate audience. So on my Instagram, I have a series called Daily Dance Party where I just record a video of me kind of grooving out, usually in the bathroom in the morning, getting ready or something. And I like it because it It's fun for me and it brings me joy to do that. And I like to share it with people because it spreads that good vibes on the internet. Yeah, they're absolutely so fun. If anybody wants to check them out, they definitely should and to dance along to them. I think that's a big problem that a lot of people have with defining their brand is that I get asked so many times and I'm sure you do too as a writer, how much of their personality and their personal side do they want to be able to incorporate in their own brand and their professional Mm -hmm. like reflection of their business. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I struggled with that a lot as I tried to figure out how to merge or whether to merge the two. I feel like they're very different sides of me. And one is a little more polished and professional and corporate and government facing. And then the other one I feel is is really raw and artistic and vulnerable. And I'm still not really sure how to marry those two things, which is why I created two separate accounts for my split personality. And I think that for now, that's a really good decision. But I went back and forth on that for quite a while. I have found that the best client relationships I have are those people that that know both sides of me and know me as the artist and as the dancer. So in that sense, it doesn't really make sense to annex those parts of me. So I guess if people are struggling and thinking through this as well, it's good to reflect on the best best client relationships you've had and whether those people know about all of you or just a part of you. Yeah, I think that's really key. And as humans, people are so complex in itself. As much as we want to label things to make it really easy for people to understand who you are and what you have to offer, I think it's still equally important to be able to just bring that holistic 360 approach to it as well as we attract different clients that they do understand that that full side of what you want to share anyways a part of your life and I think that plays into a bigger connection which I know you're a big part of pair it all back and rewind a bit for people what would you say is your definition of brand messaging brand messaging 
is communicating three things. The first thing is what you do, what your business is about. The second thing is who do you do it for? And the third thing is why should they care? Or in other words, what is the benefit or value to them? So when I craft brand messages for clients, I'm getting people to be really specific and concise about those three things. It's very common to have a lot of passion, have a lot of projects, have a business here and there. And when I talk to people, I could almost write two full pages about their business if I just typed and listened to them speak about it. And at the end of the day, that's not a brand message because your message needs to be received and clearly understood by the person on the other end of it. If you are wanting to double check if you have a brand message or whether it's good, I would ask yourself, can I explain it in two to three sentences max? And can I do those three things in those sentences? Can I tell people what I do or what I offer, if it's for them and why they should care? And then how does that differentiate then with people's say mission statement, for example, would you say that's part of it or something totally different? Yeah, this is a great question that clients get stuck on a lot. They also get stuck on the difference between mission and vision. Let's talk about a couple of terminologies. So you have a brand message, which is from my perspective is your value proposition statement. That's the value that you bring to your audience that also says what you do. So that's something else. Your mission, if you want to write it, I would start by saying something like, we're on a mission to blank because it puts you in the active position and then you can say something very strong. I hope this makes sense. So for me, let's say I'm on a mission to make sure that not-for-profits have just as good marketing and messaging as for-profit companies. My vision is a world in which money flows to places that deserve it. So like the purpose-driven companies in the world are able to attract the funding and engagement and support that they deserve. So the world I envision is one where my services are no longer needed. So if you're struggling with that, I ask people to think about what would make you obsolete. Vision for the world is one in which I am no longer needed. I've been put out of business because the world is the way that I want it. My vision for the world is one in which I'm not needed because not-for-profits and charities know how to communicate so effectively that they don't need me. I don't know if you know your vision off the top of your head. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> no, this is a great question to ask. And I think that's what you do so well. Whenever I work with Julia, I literally have so much jargon in my own brain because this brand voice and the way that I want to communicate it makes sense in your head when it's so second nature to you, mm -hmm. but it's so much harder to make it concise, to make it succinct and to deliver that with impact. So mm -hmm. I think in terms of my bio, like this is what I usually say to people is that I help lifestyle businesses realize their vision and connect with the people most important to them mm -hmm. as kind of that, the what and who, I guess. But I think that just comes back to the brand messaging side more than does the vision necessarily. Yeah, I think that in even in your brand statement, you could probably add more of the end benefit to those lifestyle mm -hmm. companies so, so they can get what? Like what's gonna be different as a result of working with you? And that's the next, that's always the next step and the hardest step for us as entrepreneurs, especially as solo entrepreneurs, I think, because we have to figure out how to explain our benefit in a very competitive space. When I work with people, the toughest question that I ask them is, 
What is it that you offer that absolutely nobody else does? And I think there's something to be said about understanding what that pain point and problem is for a lot of your clients, but also or customers if they're product based. But in the same sense, understand not from a solution standpoint necessarily of what you have to offer people from for that pain point, but what is the benefit? There's a big yeah. difference between that. And yes. so are there prompts or anything that you feel like has helped your clients in the past differentiate that? So when I work on brand messaging, there's a big component of looking at what else is in the market and doing a messaging analysis of what's out there because there's often a lot of people in our space, but we can still and always differentiate. So I've been working with a sustainable, biodegradable, feminine hygiene company, and there's lots of cotton, biodegradable, sustainable language out there in this space, but we have to pull out what this company is offering to a target audience that these others are not offering. Is it the first one in Vancouver? Is it the first one in Canada? Is it the only product that you can throw into the organic bin? Like what is it and be very specific about it? Because if we just say, well, it's comfortable, it's soft. Okay, well, all of the products are comfortable. They're going to say they're comfortable and soft. Nobody's going to wear a pad in this case. That's scratchy. <laughs> like, let's be, let's be realistic about how specific we have to be. And the more you can niche, the better it is for you. Cause I think what people get scared of as well is like niching so much that they mm -hmm. feel like they're ignoring part of their audience, but you're saying that there's so much benefit obviously to speaking directly to those people. Yes. And I'm learning this too in, in the way that I need to pivot in my business, but I have a couple famous Famous phrases that I like to use. So if you speak to everybody, you speak to nobody. That's for sure in copywriting or in anything marketing. And then with niching, if you're not alienating some people, then you're not running a successful business. I just don't believe that you can be niche and not alienate. You have to alienate people that you don't want to work with and people that you don't want to buy your product. If I want to market only to charities, well, then I should be alienating entrepreneurs and I should be alienating corporate offices. And if I'm not doing that, then how am I going to reach the people that I want to reach? Yeah, it's helping so, you vet, I think, as well, right? Which oftentimes, especially when you're starting out in those early stages, it can feel like you obviously want to attract a wide variety, like cast that wide net so that you can just hopefully attract all the fish in a sense. But at the same time, if you don't dangle the right thing in front of them, then nobody yeah. will come, right? Yes. And I find that the best way to do that and to make that decision is to define very clearly exactly the person that you're speaking to and give them a name. And I, I think it's really common to in traditional marketing worlds to create a target audience that more or less goes something like this. We're looking to target men between the ages of 40 and 50 who live in the GTA. Like, woof, that's not helpful because I can't write copy for men between the ages of 40 and 50 in the GTA, but I can write copy for John who lives at Front and Spadina, who is in pharmaceutical sales and commutes by car every day and listens to podcasts or radio or music on his way to make sales. I can write copy for John. I can't write copy for generic man between 30 and 40. And neither can you, but it's, I'm glad you think it's funny because it, it, it should be funny. I don't know. It's just like, 
it's it's good to it's good to remind people that there's a there's only a single human being on the other side of whatever you're writing like there isn't 10 men between 30 and 40 sitting on the other side of the screen together holding hands while reading your website there's only one person even just that example that you just gave is literally night and day on its own and it wasn't even as complex as some people could get into it right like mm-hmm. what would you say are the top like things to consider when you're building out this persona for somebody? I think it matters a lot where they are online. If you could focus on anything, especially if you are a startup or a, an early stage business with not a lot of time and resources, you can't be everywhere. If this resonates with you and you don't have time to be on email marketing and LinkedIn and Instagram and TikTok and whatever the heck else is happening, then you have to make some strategic decisions about where to be online. So figure out where is John online? Is he on Instagram? If he's on Instagram, what time is he on Instagram? What is he using it for? Would he like to be marketed to there or not? Is he on Facebook? When is he on Facebook? All of these kinds of questions are really important. I would say more so now because everything is digital and content is absolutely everywhere. When you're defining all of the demographic characteristics about someone, you have to push yourself to go a step further. You can't just say, okay, well, I'm going to guess that this person is 35. Okay, if that person is 35, why does that make them more likely to buy from you? What is it about their life stage that makes that possible? So for me, I'm looking to work with people that are older, maybe late 30s, early 40s, because they understand the value of what I do. They have the funds and resources to be able to bring me on. And they have the higher level education and understanding of what they need from me in terms of an output. I wouldn't be able to target someone that's 22 years old, for example, because my, my service doesn't align with where they're at. So you ask yourself the question, but you go one step deeper to say, this is going to work for my business because of this reason. I know you've been experimenting with like a lot of market research lately too. How have you incorporated that process into say building out personas? I've been trying lately to not be afraid of asking the scary questions, which is like, why didn't you hire me for this job? What would have made it a no brainer? What it would have made you working with me a no brainer is the question that I asked to someone that didn't choose to work with me. And I got back really great information about what they need as a startup to say yes, because we can spend a lot of time humming and hawing and being upset about, oh, this person didn't say yes. And it's because they don't have the money. Well, is it because they don't have the money or is it because you didn't offer them something that was a definite yes, no brainer? You have to do some research to figure out who you're trying to serve and then asking those questions that help you go back and rewrite your persona. There is a need to kind of revisit that all the time. I don't think that my current one is correct anymore. So I have to go back to it and make some changes. Same goes for you as a business owner, whether it's a product or a service or whether you're starting up with something tech based or if you're a lifestyle business, if your offering is not landing, if you're not getting the results that you want, you probably have to go back and figure out who you're speaking to. Your brand evolves and so does the communications, whether it's like on the copywriting side, but also the visual side needs to change with it, right? What would you say are the top three questions you need to consider when creating that tone of voice or that brand messaging for people? If you are trying to figure out what kind of tone of voice do I want to project, I would ask you to consider three questions. 
first of all, again, I'm a broken record, but who are you speaking to? What is it that you want them to do? And how do you want them to feel? Because the tone of voice that you choose will determine the types of people that you attract, how they feel when they interact with your brand. Do you want them to feel as though you are professional and to the point and direct? Or do you want to feel that you're conversational, witty, funny, uh, down to earth? Like all of these different characteristics will impact how somebody feels when they interact with your brand. And that's really important because we, again, we're speaking to someone on an intimate level. And I think what I see is, is going in a good direction for a lot of companies, but conversational language is very popular. And that's because we have so much content on the internet. We just don't have time to spend trying to figure out what someone's meaning. Whether you're a service-based business or a product-based business, how can we make sure that our copy is aligned with encouraging our customers or clients to purchase and come back time and time again? Because I know that's a big objective for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. We are not going to get people's attention or to get people to buy from us if we don't understand what their problem is that we solve. So we have to understand first what their pain point is, and then we have to reflect that to them. Like, why am I selling a candle, for example? I don't know what the pain point is for a particular candle in the industry. I have to be able to reflect to people what it is that they desire. What are they after? What is their pain point? Is it that they want to create a beautiful ambiance for cheap? And maybe they are moving into a new space in Toronto and all they have is a tiny little square of the universe and they need to make that cozy and livable. And maybe that's who I'm serving. So I have to understand like, what is it that they are really struggling with? And can I reflect it to them better than they can understand? So I think there's a really common phrase in marketing, which is that if you can explain someone's problem better than they can, they will assume that you have the answer, that you have the solution. Mm. That's a good one. Then when I'm in the opposite position of buying from someone, it's absolutely true. If someone reflects back to me exactly what it is that I'm struggling with and what I need, I'm just like, oh, I put my trust in your hands. Please solve this problem for me. Here's my money. <laughs> it becomes easy because, and that work is important because you've proven to me that you understand me. If you can understand me, speak my language, then I will buy from you. And I think and you I, hit, I will be loyal. I think you hit the nail on the head with it just comes back to that really specificity of things and understanding who that person is and what is their lifestyle like, not only just their problem. So what would you say is that that magic ingredient that you feel like people are missing to really create that impact with their copy and visual communications? They're missing whatever, like a little smack at the side of the head to get out of their own way. So I look at a lot of websites because I do website copywriting right now. And a lot of brands have failed to understand that this is not a showcase of them as a company. And one of our mentors, Katie Prince, says it very well, and I will never stop repeating this, but you are not on stage at a convention center on your website speaking to ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, company X is proud to present their product. That is not copywriting that is not reaching your audience so the secret ingredient is your audience like if you don't know who that person is 
no one will resonate with what's written on your website because it will be written for nobody. It will be written as a, as a thought piece for your company. I have so much compassion for getting it done and minimal, minimum viable product and just getting something launched. But I would just encourage anyone that's listening to this to go through their website and double check whether it's a showpiece for their company or whether it's really empathically communicating to their reader. I think if you look at it from that lens, you will do what a lot of copywriters will do for you, which is to be in that seat of your reader and explain your company, but in the sense of how it benefits the consumer. Are there any other big problems that you find or mistakes that people are commonly making and maybe not even realize that they're making? Very commonly, I see a lot of mixed messaging across different platforms. People have like four or five brand messages in use at any, any given time. And this is not doing you any favors. I worked with an art charity, for example, and they had a different statement on LinkedIn that they did on Facebook, that they did on their website, that they did on Instagram, and it was confusing. And from their perspective, what they thought was, well, we have different audiences on these platforms. Yes. Correct. You do have different audiences on these platforms and that might change the tone of voice that you use on LinkedIn versus Instagram, but that does not change what your brand message is and what your value proposition statement is. And that needs to be consistent across all of the channels, across anywhere that you show up so people can understand exactly what you do, whether it's for them and why they should care. We're going to dive into some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. What are you currently celebrating? In general, this is yeah. not rapid fire. I already failed. <laughs> a question. I'm celebrating uh, flying home to Ontario in two weeks to do some visiting and some fun times. And otherwise, I'm celebrating three months living elsewhere and running my business from an entirely new province. You should be so proud because I think that's something that a lot of people aspire to do, whether it's on a small scale or a large scale. But there's something so exciting about diving into somewhere new and just mm -hmm. starting fresh in a way, as scary as that is. <laughs> I talked to someone last Friday who said that she's like, you and I have very different understandings of where someone would want to be a digital nomad. Like, I would choose Cuba. You chose Edmonton. Okay. A little different. <laughs> I probably feel the same as them. Like, I chose yeah. much more warmer places. But kudos to you. That's different for everyone. <laughs> What is the one thing that you want people to have fun with from this episode? The fun part of branding and copywriting is that once you define the person, it's so easy to talk to them. I would really like for people to have fun with the idea that choosing a specific individual and giving them a name and understanding their lifestyle will be really fun and rewarding and easy. Everything will be easier once you take that step. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join in on the fun today on the Brand Party Podcast. Really appreciate it, Julia. Thank you. And where can people find out more about you? You can follow me on Instagram or go to my website. It's the same handle, Julia Rose Content. And there's actually lots of free resources and tips that I share on my Instagram on IGTV. And you can find me on LinkedIn, Julia Rose Hawthorne Thwaite, longest last name of life. Christine, I'm sure we'll put it in the show notes so I don't have to spell it right now. <laughs> yeah. Did you have fun? Share it with all your friends with a screenshot of this episode. The more, the merrier.
Tag at Brand Party Podcast and hashtag Brand Party Podcast on Instagram to continue this after party. Bye.